Section 6 of the American Egypt. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by John Smith. The American Egypt by Channing Arnold and Friedrich J. Tabor Frost. Section 6 first impressions of yucatan a sea of greengage green broken by scarce a ripple save where a shark's fin curves up shiny black in the blazing sun a semicircle of pale sand fringed by brown and mahogany red boarded barns of warehouses with here and there a gaunt brick chimney a thin belt of palm trees three wooden jetties and beyond houses stuccoed white and salmon pink this is our first sight of yucatan's only port progresso there is no harbor for the shallows stretch far seaward and steamers of any draught dare not come within five miles of the coast the outward and visible signs of the town have scarcely come distinctly into view and we have barely lost sight in the heat mist of the monster form of our liner anchored miles in our wake when the painting tug has come alongside the pier and we are for the first time face to face with yucatans a yucatan crowd is a pleasant sight to look upon personal cleanliness bright colored vests and spotless linen breeches are a welcome change for the traveler who comes from a mexican port the yucatan and the mexican too are physically very unlike and the difference is all in favor of the former the crowd which awaits the tug is a bright clean-faced orderly crowd and as we step ashore the luggage touts many of them remarkably intelligent-looking and handsome fellows take your no muchos gracias for an answer which is more than you can say for the evil-smelling vulture-faced blackmailing gang who throng the keys at such ports as vera cruz and tampico alas months of sojourn in the land of the mayans are to alter the first favorable impressions of that progresso crowd verily are yucatans whited sepulchres and here perhaps it would be as well to define a yucatan the population of yucatan speaking broadly consists of two classes slaves and savages the former are the indians by centuries of brutally degraded and robbed of that spirit which made them foes worthy of cortez's prowess but still a kindly hospitable people for whom every english heart must feel a keen sympathy the savages are the yucatans the mongrel people resulting from the early unions of the spanish with the indian women and if the epithet seems harsh we would ask our readers to reserve judgment till they have finished this volume the tint of the yucatan is that of a half-baked biscuit but the eyes are black-brown and often small and the lank black hair suggests the indian crossings of the sixteenth and seventeenth centuries at the end of the jetty a lofty lich gate of wood houses senors los aduaneros messrs 
the customs house officers but our passports are from headquarters and bear a cabinet minister's seal so our baggage is soon passed over the customs house gate might be written bearing dante's terrible line all hope of cleanliness abandoned ye who enter here for once inside progresso town you must do battle with tropical dust at its worst through the railway yard where the sun beats down with a blistering heat on trucks mules and men you make your way to the train through filthy little arcaded streets your boots disappearing at each footstep in the ill-smelling garbage-littered compounds your eyes smarting in the clouds of it you kick up the station is a barn the railway a three-foot gauge the cars are rickety low-roofed cane-seated yellow wood affairs from engine to brake van the train is american-made there seems little to choose in comfort between the classes but for the sake of more elbow-room we plunge our three centavos a kilometre the usual first-class fare all over yucatan a fraction less than a penny a mile distinctly cheap if the rolling stock were better as the little train jolts through the outskirts of the town ringing its bell the dust it raises blending with the resinous smoke from the wood fire of its engine naked yellow babies look up from their play in the dirt and scamper into shelter while female faces peer out between the iron bars which do duty for glass windows in the one-storied high flat-roofed houses northern yucatan is as level as an essex marsh and the line runs through miles of country at first glance quite english with its dense covering of small trees like nut bushes and silver birches nature has been nagard of soil to the whole peninsula but perhaps it is around progresso that you realize most that the yucatan must be content to sow his seed in the stony ground the sun-dried undergrowth is of cactus stunted shrubs and sea grasses here and there this breaks to give way to swamps rich in purple and white orchids and golden water plants fair to look on as the sun touches the water between the waving rushes but surely enough the happy breeding ground of the yellow jack mosquito then come fields of hennequin or hemp the green gold of yucatan the plants like huge green pineapples with waxy green feathers on top enclosed within grey stone walls like those of scotland as we near the capital the distance is but twenty-five miles the carriages fill up and you squeeze closer into your canned seat for two to make room for some fat yucatan or his ill-shaped chalk-faced powdered dame in the suburbs of merida there are miles of them the rail runs between rolls of native huts palm-leaf thatched frameworks of wood upon which red earth is plastered and then stuccoed or whitewashed each has its garden evidently the despair of its owner for dogs pigs and fowls dispute possession of it with tin cans and refuse but even in these unfavorable surroundings tropic nature beautifies with the greeny gold leaf of the banana and the heavy hanging greener crown of the coconut palm over all rises a strange vista merida 
might well be called the city of windmills on each side of the train you see the horizon literally crowded with air motors for pumping water from the limestone and you hear it whispered in a tone of pride by yucatan to his neighbor that there are in yucatan's capital six thousand of these eyesores Mereda could claim another alias the city of windmills might as well appropriately be called the city of cabs and they are curious cabs too cabs without sides or backs or fronts mere frameworks of light wood with leather tops and cloth curtains all round which roll up and button or roll down and shade the fares spectral four-wheelers as if in prehistoric times a london growler had emigrated here and propagated a species of tropical growler all skin and bones dozens of these hackney phantoms await us in the station yard the drivers in spotless loose-flying linen shifts and linen trousers bell-bottomed over their bare brown feet shod with sandals their headgear wide awakes of black or brown felt the boxes are elaborately ornamented with brass nails burnished to a dazzling brightness the back seat you must not sit too far back or you will fall out has room for two and in front a shelf like that in a victoria lets down for a third passenger there are hundreds of these cabs in merida and everybody uses them all the time they are not the luxury they are in most capitals and are quite a feature of the place we had understood there is only one hotel in merida it is a libel for there are three and seated in the phantom car we select we bowl noiselessly over asphalted roads towards it it was on the sixth january fifteen forty two that amid one can be sure immense bombast of trumpet blare and drum beat the first stones were laid of the very loyal and noble city of merida this is what its charter granted by his most catholic majesty philip the second called it it is a double-barreled misnomer merida has no claim to loyalty for she revolted from spain as soon as she conveniently could and she has never been loyal to the republic of mexico of which much against her will the country of which she is the capital has formed part off and on since the beginning of the nineteenth century and merida is in no sense a noble city never has been and never can be but she is what perhaps is better a clean city cleanliness is next to godliness merida thinks it comes first and she has let the other virtue lag a very bad second in her civic race but she has not always even been clean five years back her streets were saharas of ill-smelling dust to your boot-tops in the dry season and sloths of despond in the wet no one who has not visited yucatan can realize the aladdin-like results of the showers of gold which have fallen upon this donne land as a result of her stable product hennigan but directly you enter one of the phantom cabs you come under the spell of a city which is magically perfect as unlike any other spanish-american town as is possible 
the millionaire hennequin growers are so rich that they really do not know what to do with their money and so it came about that the ex-governor senor molina conceived the idea of reupholstering meridia till its founders would never recognize their handiwork the shape of the city is much what it was planned on a vast chessboard system all the streets running at right angles and parallel to one another forming nine square miles of squat stone built houses almost all one-storied their long windows heavily barred instead of glazed but just as carpet makes a room Signor molina saw that what merida needed was paving and so he proceeded to get an estimate from a french asphalt company the amount was so huge that his brother millionaires on the council only smiled sickly smiles of incredulity when he suggested voluntary contributions but if their ill-gotten dollars would not come out of their pockets by fair means the governor determined that they should buy foul at least that was the adjective which these much oppressed croesus probably applied to his methods and he taxed every bale of hennequin loaded at progresso in this way he raised a gigantic sum for the beautifying of the capital part of which no less than thirty million mexican dollars three million sterling was spent in paving the streets it took between two and three years and the result is perfection from north to south from east to west side streets and main streets for the full three miles width of the city the surface is as smooth as glass as clean as marble never was there such paving and never will there probably ever be again for there is no parallel to the circumstances of unforeseen wealth which has come to yucatan's capital we had been favorably impressed by the cleanliness of the yucatan crowds at progresso and as we moved easily and without a vibration down street after street of well-matched and well-built houses we rubbed our eyes and wondered whether we were in a land where it was always washing day for the people on the sidewalks the people in the passing carriages the police at the corners in their trim holland uniforms the children playing at the pavement edge the tradesmen at their shop doors and the boys and girls in their neat linens returning from school were so spotless as to beggar all description but in the midst of our amazement we reached our hotel a massive three-storied building in two squares neatly floored with tiles roofless wide flights of stone steps leading up to galleries from which was access to the bedrooms stone floored very high ceilinged opening through wooden sun blinds on to small balconies we were very tired with our journey and the coolness of our rooms and the brightness of the city had such a lulling effect that we were almost persuaded that we had reached utopia there was nothing disquieting in our rooms from the insect point of view except a line of harmless-looking small black ants which were taking an afternoon walk along the tiles at the corner and the fact that the small iron bedsteads were enveloped in mosquito nets we had evidently reached utopia the air was balmy as we composed ourselves to sleep that night and there was not even a mosquito in our nets shortly before dawn the next morning sunday we were roused from a dreamless sleep by a din so terrific that to our half-sleeping wits it converted itself into a giant tattoo beat 
on cracked tea trays we started up boom boom a pause boom boom the last was a ragged edge sound as flat as stale soda water as lifeless as queen anne then came a shrill noise such as might be produced by a violent meeting between a butcher's steel and the treble octave of a cottage grant then pom pom again and then a noise as if the blacksmith of spreading chestnut tree fame had gone suicidally mad and had spent his dying fury and the full force of the muscles of his brawny arms in one fell blow on his anvil something must be wrong we could not patiently bear this perhaps it was a utopian form of fire alarm and we were doomed to cremation in our mosquito netting unless we roused ourselves at this moment our door burst open and a fellow-traveller from vera cruz in purple silk pyjamas his hair on end a wild look in his eyes cried out do you hear those awful bells bells surely we rubbed our eyes and gazed open-mouthed at him surely they weren't bells what superhuman intelligence was this he showed at such an early hour we listened yes they were that anvil note again meant for bells bells as cracked as any march hare the cathedral bells too pounding their awful tea-tray notes right across the plaza into our windows we had never heard such bells nobody outside yucatan ever has it was bedlam in the belfry and with our fingers in our ears we walked on to the balcony to see how the utopian knights were bearing them merida was up and did not seem to mind the bells a bit perhaps they are in acquired taste the people in the streets seemed not to notice the noise and there was as much crowd as there was din this bell scandal was evidently the rift within the utopian lute and presently thank heaven the music was dumb and we were able to watch in peace from our point of vantage the life of the awakening city it was a picturesque scene the street was alight with bright colours and pretty faces the women of merida were going to early mass here were a knot of pale-faced maidens in muslins rainbow-hued in their variety pale blue rose pink saffron heliotrope white or green hatless the raven-black hair decked with flowers their service books clasped in small hands these were the upper middle class femininity of the city the wealthiest women never walked at all but a prettier picture still were the mestizas half castes the name given by the wealthier yucatans to their lower sisters the beauties of the people whose soft skins were colored a sweet brown by their indian blood their dress was a long spotlessly white softly flowing shift of linen bordered at neck and hem with embroidery cut open low round the neck and with no sleeves and exposing their bare feet and ankles it was a costume which framed their charms in quite a perfect style and with all these mingled the indian women and girls their complexions a warm reddish-brown 
their black hair draped in cotton wraps of blue or brown green or pink thrown sorry fashion round the head and falling over the shoulders their bare feet innocent of shoe tortures small and dainty if a little broad there were few men and boys about but those looked cleaner than ever spotless in their linens with felt hats or panamas the laddies in their tight linen knickerbockers with their plump bare brown legs looking the picture of boyish health as the hour wore on indian dames passed on their way homeward from the early market balancing on their heads large flat baskets filled with oranges bananas sweet potatoes tomatoes eggs large slices of salmon fleshed melons dotted with black seeds small pineapples lemons limes green and red peppers and garlic and often in the midst of this market medley set a small hen or two as contently as if they were brooding over a sitting of eggs a wealthy yucatecan who has travelled much is credited with saying after merida give me paris there is really much to be said for his patriotic view merida is a beautiful city the vista down the long street from our balcony with the gay colours of the girls dresses the snowy whiteness of the men's clothes and the smart brass-decked skeleton caps the soft yellow of the houses all houses in merida are by water painted yellow to prevent the unpleasant sun glare which white walls would mean here and there a waving crown of green peeping over the housetops from some garden patio made a right pleasant picture against the deep blue of the cloudless sky but merida owes none of her undoubted beauty to her buildings there are but three worth mention and this not from any architectural merits but solely because of their historical interest these are the cathedral the bishop's palace and the house of francisco de monteo conqueror of yucatan they are all in the plaza the cathedral is a gaunt pile of plastered mediocrity with naked facade flanked by two turreted towers lair of the accursed bells which had marred the tropic beauty of the morning it was completed in fifteen ninety eight and cost some sixty thousand equivalent to-day to perhaps a quarter of a million within there is little worth seeing except the twelve immense columns which support the roof the hangings and drapings are as tawdry as is the much begilded altar the pulpit is dusty dirty and old and is reached by wooden steps literally rotten and in holes but if there is nothing worth seeing there is something which is very astonishing on each pillar is hung a notice which reads servants no escuper en el pavimento de este templo you are requested not to spit on the floor of this church and on the flooring of the plan yellow wood seats and all along each aisle at the entrance to the pews are spittoons yes it sounds incredible but they are there right up to the altar rails a vista of 
earthenware abominations such as disfigure the sanded quaintness of the bar parlor of an old village inn in a later chapter on yucatan manners we shall have more to say of the habit thus officially countenanced by the church that perspective of spittoons from door to altar rail in merida cathedral was probably no parallel in any country the bishop's palace adjoins the cathedral and bears the date seventeen fifty seven it is so hideous in its flat stuccoed plainness that it is really wonderful that even the yucatans do not rebel and raise it to the ground beneath it entrance is obtained by a large double wooden doorway to a vestibule opening into the bishop's garden which forms a lady chapel where on a trestle such as those upon which the coconut and sweet stuff men do their roaring trades on bank holidays at hampstead an iron tray covered with small spikes is provided for the faithful to stick a tallow dip value one centavo a farthing in front of a plaster image of the virgin the house of monteo now the property of one of the many branches of the peon family the wealthiest of all yucatecans bears the date fifteen forty one and is thus the oldest building in merida the facade is fine and the doorway is a typically spanish representation of militarism plus bigotry two knights armed capepa being engaged in the congenial occupation of trampling underfoot two indians who take it lying down as alas their descendants are still doing life in merida is as artificial as indeed more artificial than that of mexico city the latter owing as we have said our fashions and her veneer of civilization to paris and new york is assisted by her size and still being much herself not so merida no self-respecting yucatecan wants to be himself all of them are pathetically striving all the time after a culture which they do not understand and which fits them as ill as his dress suit fits the hired butler at a suburban dance scratch the russian and you find the tartar most yucatecans are the vulgarest of parvenus and by the least scratching you find the savage they are ashamed of their indian past and by an exaggerated class arrogance they try to widen the gulf between themselves and the indians as the purse-proud woman thinks she will be mistaken for a lady if she calls every servant a slut they love to emphasize their superior wealth by dubbing their lower brothers and sisters mestizos and mestizas the truth yucatecans form but one class and they are all mestizos there are few pure indians in the capital and those are the domestic servants of the wealthy families you do not see the great contrast of wealth so marked in mexico city the whole town has an air of prosperity and it is not an air merely 
it is a fact during the past twenty years the group of large henican growers about a score have divided among themselves as a result of this green gold no less than eight hundred million mexican dollars and this vast sum has percolated through the whole place merida is a monte carlo for extravagance and extortion there is no social standard but pound shilling pence a man is or is not great socially in proportion to his banking account nowhere in the world probably is money so absolutely god as here we shall show later what moral effect this fact has had upon the citizens and through them upon the whole of so-called civilized yucatan corruption and venality are rampant few races have stamina enough to resist the corroding influences of sudden wealth the silver mines of mexico prove the knell of spanish imperial greatness lord beaconsfield said once only a great man can stand power in yucatan wealth is power the only power and the yucatan stand it very badly in this city of mushroom millionaires everything is naturally very dear food is practically all imported we had been told that at our hotel it was impossible to get a square meal for less than five dollars ten shillings it was not quite so bad as that but for half that sum it is true enough you could only get just such a snack as an honestly hungry briton would regard as a wholly inadequate quick lunch talk business while you eat style of meal few of the yucatecans eat out of their own houses and thus restaurants at any rate of the cleanly and better class are few and far between those which do exist are literally dens of robbers the traveller in yucatan as indeed in all mexico has to learn what to a briton accustomed to more or less trust his fellow-man is a very unpleasant lesson namely that you can trust no one the only safety on ordering a meal is to first drive a bargain you must know down to the smallest roll or condiment what your repaste is going to cost you no merida hotels or restaurants ever attach prices to their menus they know a trick worth two of that each restauranter is a gastronomic procustus who cuts his prices according to the cut of his customers an article served at twenty-five centavos to one dinner will at the next table boom to fifty at the discretion of the subtle waiter it is very hard to always remember to do this unpleasant bargaining before you take your place at a table but you are literally lost if you do not on this glorious sunday morning we were successfully caught in a place where they charged four shillings for three glasses of lemonade and three or four fly-blown cakes the cakes you would get anywhere for a penny and lemons could be brought in the street outside at six a penny the streets of merida are full of life and bustle the cleanliness of bustle even the blind beggars blindness is rather common who crouch against the walls with their plaintive cry of 
pobre ciego are as neat as a new pin smartly varnished mule drawn tram cars tinkle their way to and from the suburbs outside the railings of the cathedral sit all day a line of indian women in front of baskets filled with cakes flattish appetizing looking sometimes as much as two or three feet across under the arcades of the municipal palace which forms the north side of the plaza is a motley scene of life here are tiny cigar booths small drinking counters where are dispensed hour after hour to thirsty crowds refrescos drinks of squashed fruits deliciously sweet guanabana limes coconut water pineapple or what not and iced waters withered beldams with baskets of sweets lottery ticket sellers and itinerant booksellers while at the small round tables set in the doorways the yucatecan loafers drink coffee or the native spirits and from within the shaded rooms is heard the eternal click click of billard balls billards the french game without pockets is a mania in yucatan as the young yucatecans crowd round the green tables the edges of the arcaded pavements are occupied by large chairs on daisies lolling in the chair the yucatecan lad who will polish your boots for fifteen centavos the yucatecan jernese dore are dandies if nothing else and this must be the reason why there are more boot blacks to the square mile in merida than in any capital we want of but the lordly boot black who waits for you to come to him is not half as picturesque a figure as the peripatetic boot boy all day long these little ruggish eyed rascals wander round the plaza carrying their boot boxes and begging you to let them kneel in front of you and make your boots like looking-glasses the boys are all so pretty and have got such winning smiles that you are insanely inclined to have your boots blacked every quarter of an hour joking apart boot blacking has been reduced to a science in merida and the operators put out of joint the noses of the london boot brigade time was when merida was far more picturesque than she is to-day in the old city when few of the citizens were grand at reading streets were as indeed they were once in london known by their signs thus at one corner there was a wooden image of a flamingo this was flamingo street another was the street of the old woman the corner being decorated with an effigy highly collared of a bespectacled dame there was a tapir street adorned with a representation of that queer pig deer which still haunts the swampy forests of southern yucatan and chiapas a crane street and so on but all this is a thing of the past america has invaded yucatan even to her street naming and merida with her forty-eighth and sixty-third streets with the street numbers reduplicated on the corners thus five o three sixty-second street five o three is a maddening and intricate as new york 
only one of the old signs remains that of the elephant as you cross the plaza towards the market it is difficult to picture what the old city must have been like when roads were not roads and the plaza now a wonderfully kept square of grass flowers and stone was a mangy patch of leprous grass dotted with trees to which were tied mules which had brought in produce from the country but the alterations in merida are surface alterations the only wonder is that the city is as healthy as it is for there is no attempt at any general sewerage system no main drains and every householder is a law unto himself on this vital question each hot season there are outbreaks sometimes very serious of yellow fever but the city is a healthy city there is no doubt about it there is a general avoidance of well water for drinking purposes and as a substitute the most elaborate arrangements are made for storing every drop of rainwater during the wet season this is done by every house of any size having enormous cemented tanks under their patios the water pipes from the roofs connecting with them thus the two huge quadrangles of our hotel were nothing but gigantic reservoirs tiled over the rainy season practically never fails yucatan and though not as regular in its advent as the indian monsoon keeps up year by year its average of supply surface refuse is dealt with summarily by the most picturesque set of road sweepers imaginable neatly uniformed in white drill or brown holland they wear pith helmets adorned with metal badges bearing their number and look like soldiers in front of them they push by means of a long handle a tin shovel some four feet long which runs on neat little wheels these men are everywhere and take very good care that garbage is nowhere the water carts too are worth a mention gigantic wooden hogsheads painted in yellow stripes these generally work at night and take up their supply from huge water taps which jut out from the walls of buildings and upon which the men tie brown holland piping in the most primitive fashion to fill their carts the evenings at merida are the gayest times for then all folks rich and poor come out to spend the cool hours in the plaza there is very little twilight ever in the tropics and as soon as the sun is down and it is dusk enough the wealthy yucatecans have a queer habit of sitting in rocking chairs outside their houses a whole group of ladies will thus take the air in front of the huge doorways of the biggest houses surrounded by two or three cavaliers later on the carriages are ordered and sleepy-eyed beauties drive round and round the plaza in the dark apparently enjoying this rather queer form of carriage exercise in the centre of the plaza itself the town band assembles and this is a signal for a nightly promenade of the humbler meridians nothing can be more picturesque or typical the seats are filled for the most part with the older people fat old men linen-suited and sandaled armed generally with an incongruous ill-rolled umbrella smoke and doze beside them solid-looking 
Yucatecan matrons with gold chains round their necks from which hang gold coins and a metal or ivory crucifix at their feet a baby or two dressed in the shortest of shifts play about but young merida walks yet here again there is something which attracts the english eye for there is a complete separation of the sexes the girls walk together in twos threes and fours one way and the young dandies in their spotless white linen bell-bottomed trousers belted with ornamental belts over which are hung blue and white striped cloths reaching to their knees like butchers aprons put on sideways gaudily collared silk cotton vests and other of these white linen coats walk the other all the youths have a pretty habit of going hand in hand or with arms round each other's necks they are there to see the girls and in the hope that the girls will see them but the curious thing is that you never see them look at one another the groups of chatting youths and maidens pass and repass one another round and round under the trees in and out of the pass watch as hard as you like you will never see an ogling glance or catch a hint of that coarse chaff which is inseparable from such a congregating of lower-class youth of both sexes in a city like london it really is quite extraordinary the naivete of it all the determined way in which the external sex problem seems tabooed here we sat for hours watching the orderly crowds and never once did we see a girl stop in her walk to speak to a man or any youth attempt to speak or to walk with a maid it was decorum in excelsis it reminded one of the famous description of boston as a place where respectability stalks unchecked but respectability is usually perilously near being a synonym for mawkish dullness here it was not so you had absolute decorum there was no suspicion of noisy horse-play or hooliganism there was not the slightest need for a policeman as a matter of fact none appeared during the whole evening to keep order and yet the crowd was as perfect a specimen of the brightest popular life any city could show they had all come out to enjoy themselves and they enjoyed themselves like children with a simple unaffected gaiety which was very infectious with all their faults the yucatecans have the saving grace of good temper not from a geniality of disposition so much as from a physical apathy which makes them reluctant to the effort which losing one's temper involves and this merry laughing crowd in the plaza the simple unadorned beauty of the dark-eyed lasses the knots of handsome youths armed link the plum babies contentedly playing in between the legs of the strollers the old people dozing in the shady seats and the mellow light from a huge electric strand dappling with a moon-like radiance the exquisitely cleanly pathways made such a picture of pleasant contentment as was quite utopian in the darkened roadways the wealthier beauties of merida drove round and round the plaza like bats circling round a lamp but 
though there were many of them whose lascivious beauty would have made most men forswear their most cherished convictions our hearts were in the plaza with the chattering happy crowd and we were quite sorry when the band which with an extraordinarily display of energy had played four tunes in two hours struck work and the folks dispersed End of section six. Recording by John Smith.